Hey there, welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast, where we are rediscovering the ancient way. And what is the ancient way this time around? Altars. We have an altar. Today, this episode is going to be part three, conclusion. And we are going to review for a bit and then wrap up this topic, very, very topical, of the biblical understanding of an altar. And again, we are not talking about erecting something to garner God's attention. We're not trying to do something to beckon he come and do anything on our behalf. In fact, we are erecting an altar, and our understanding is, what. just to be clear, we're erecting an altar in our understanding of what's going on to memorialize and remember something he has already done, a promise that was given to man, covenantally speaking, or and or a promise fulfilled, something that has already been accomplished, and we continually look back to it and memorialize it and say, thank you, Yahweh Elohim. You are awesome. You are good. Your ways are right and pleasing, and covenantally speaking, you are flawless. And so that's what we're really going to hopefully get to to um, bring this to a close in part three today. And uh, let's just go ahead and go back to our screen here. These are just some verses that we were looking at to close out part two. And, and, and all these specifically were about this, this mysterious terebinth tree in the plain of Moray and, and all the things that Yahweh God did there. It's fascinating to me that... Yahweh does so many things in a pattern, in a cyclical pattern. I've, I've learned it in measure and am learning it presently more and more about uh, feasts, and even at the Sabbath understanding, about there is, a, there is a pattern to Yahweh's ways that has always been in place and continues today. And, and I've learned it already, already only a couple years in in my own life, of certain spiritual patterns and components within the differing feasts and their themes and their their purposes, if you will, um, that have been carried out through all generations. We're never told anywhere in the Bible that they're the feast of the Jews. They're the feasts of Yahweh Elohim, period. They're His. And so I either want to join in with His feasts and Sabbath, or I want to be a good Christian who goes to church on Sunday, which is not the Sabbath. You want to know more about that? Go back to our When Men Change Sabbath series that we did months ago. We need to be informed. So today what we're doing is hopefully informing all of us a little bit more about the proper biblical understanding of an altar. Um, I learned very quickly when I started looking into this, and, and even as I talk about it today, that an altar is, is very important to Yahweh. It's, it's a very important, I don't want to use say thing, that's so trivial. Um, but what I want to do in this, in this uh, segment specifically is to begin to move into this Hebrews 13 understanding of, of course, why we titled this. Most people would have made that connection already. But I want to take the significance that we've established already, hopefully, in my... In my efforts, good or bad or indifferent, flaws and all, I want to take the, the significance 
of the altar in what we call Old Testament times and, and just bring to a culmination and move it into the, the post-Yeshua age and what we have in Messiah. Because what now, right? Are these just good historical facts to know? Are we just trying to be learned Bible scholars? Or are we trying to study to show ourselves approved to, to take a, a snapshot, if you will, of, of the greater work of Yahweh and how it was, how it is, and how it will be? And ask why about all these things. Why this? Why that? In this case, why an altar? Why? Why did that bring such pleasure to the Father? And so in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 10, we, we see kind of up to the present moment anyway, the culmination of all this altar understanding. And it says this, quote, We have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. Now, now when I did this, when I compiled these pages um, weeks ago, of course, almost all the commentaries that I read were just from what I just, and just let me kind of jump off the tracks here for a mere moment, if you would, are just from this modern Christian perspective about how much better we are. It's such an arrogant position. It's a misappropriation, I believe, of the New Covenant reality that with the Hebrews' verbiage about better and all these words like better, newer, all these things, we have to understand what in the world it's talking about. It's not just better like, (laughs) yeah, we have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. They didn't have what we have. I've heard that so many times. Now that I've come into the understanding, what I call just this ancient understanding of feast and Sabbath and, and, a, and beginning to get a more proper perspective of Torah, man, I see such arrogance within the church that I grew up in, that I taught in. <laughs> that was my former identity of just a New Testament, New Covenant, new church that somehow was was birthed in Acts 2 Pentecost. I talk about it all the time, I know. It's old news for many of us. But it still needs mention that like we have to be careful in our own hearts, right? Even whether we've been in in whatever version of of our journey, if we've been in that version of maturity or whatever truth, we have to be careful how we word these things for 20 years or two days. We've got to be careful that you don't ever read text like this and think that now in the Hebrews verbiage of a better or a new, that somehow we have some divine privilege that those who preceded us did not have because, friends, that is such arrogance. Because if we really take that apart and, 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 and peer into it, are we saying that we have a better understanding and a better altar than the high priest, than Aaron going into the most holy place? Or or are we more exalted spiritually than Noah when he was delivered from the flood and exited the ark, as we talked about in part one, and erected an altar of, of uncut stone and dirt? Are we better than Abraham, who forsook every single thing he knew and journeyed out as a sojourner the rest of his life just because He called upon the name of the Lord? I mean, are we really? I mean, seriously now, we need to be careful how we hold these things that we read. What is it really saying? What does it mean when it says these words 
What does this mean? Like, and the reason I jumped on that is because of the commentaries, like time and time and time again, just really belittling like the sacrificial system and how they just didn't really know God. They didn't know God like you do, brother. Hogwash. Not true. Not true, man. Not true at all. Are we in a different covenant? Yes. It's, it's written upon our hearts as we always talk about. Yes. But it's not better in the sense of those people back there, they didn't really know God like we can. Let's have a 12-hour worship session tonight and cry out for God's presence and spirit to be poured out and fire to come. Fire, fire. What are we even saying? Well, we think we know God better than Moses or Noah or or Josiah or, you know, really? I mean, <laughs> we have to know what we're saying. But our life is to be infatuated to be get back on track with the mark, the memorial. The altar that shows we are responding to Yahweh's covenant. What was a response, we could say? Now, this could take 10 more parts. I have to take all this stuff and cram it down in the last few minutes because now I'm starting to get worked up a little bit. We have to understand that Yeshua becoming our every single thing between us and the Father, he was the perfect personification of every satisfactory requirement from the Father. He was a response to a need to perfection of what man needed to be restored, to be, to be brought back into relationship, covenantal perfection with the Father. He made that way perfect for us by becoming man, the Emmanuel God-man reality, fully God, fully man. He became a physical form of the mediator. Yahweh's covenant was clearly demonstrated in, in Yeshua, the God-man. And now we memorialize his sacrifice. We are the statement to others, pointing to the Father's work through the Son. We have an altar. We have a promise. We have a memorial. We look back now, post-Yeshua, we look to all these things, all of these things, all of these things, and Yeshua. And I just have to say the problem with the church that I've known my whole life and that it's outside my door here, we have taken the cross and the work of Messiah and we've bundled it all up in a new package called Christianity and we've said don't think about the tree of Moray and the, uh, the tree, the terebinth tree in the plain of Moray anymore. Don't worry about that. That's just Bible stories for a felt board. Don't those things are just covenantal reminders of how God used to deal with men. Now you go to the cross, go to the cross, go to the cross. As I always say, build a mansion at the foot of the cross and just stare at it the rest of your life. Nothing really beyond the blood of Jesus. I'm saying this is a great error that has kept the modern-day church that I've known Juvenile at best. Why? Because we've not used it properly, my verbiage, without lessening the work of the cross in any way whatsoever, is it is a, it's part of the perpetuity of the work of the Father. It wasn't a dividing line, I'm not the same anymore, the church is different now, event. 
It was, if for back, lack of better words, it was a terebinth tree. I hope I established the terebinth tree understanding as we went through, what, all these texts here uh, of the plain of Moray and all these things that the people of God experienced there. Because now we have an altar. And again, as a reminder, that, again, so now filter this through the cross and, and the, the, the work of Yeshua Messiah, the God-man, establishing the way for, for the laws of Yahweh Elohim to be now written upon our hearts as is prophesied by the prophets of the Old Testament, that now an altar is a tangible reaction, a response to something Yahweh has done. What? He sent himself embodied in flesh. He became a memorial, a marked time in history where God became flesh and dwelled among us. And the father looked at the son. He said, I'm well pleased in you. You are exactly my, myself. If that's bad grammar, I don't much care. You're me in humanity, perfectly executing both. A marked memorial, a God-man. And he, of course, was a statement for all to see. As we established with the, the, the preceding Yeshua understanding of an altar, Yeshua became a statement for others to see. A marked space, a holy consecrated space, he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. Self-denial his whole life. I say this every episode we get here, and I have to, and I'm going to continue to my dying breath. Yeshua Messiah was the suffering servant from the second he breathed oxygen as an infant all the way to when he breathed his last. All the way. The whole way. He was not the suffering servant the last few days of his life leading up to his crucifixion. He lived a life of submission Spoke nothing what the other than what the Father was speaking. Doing nothing other than what the Father was doing. Flawless. Perfect. The perfect demonstration of a God-man. Why? So that we can look back there as, as a memorial, a marker, but not stop there. Look through it. Pass through the covenantal work of the Father that goes all the way back to the beginning of time. Where we started this series in the garden of eden we have an altar and now we can respond for the rest of our days to yahweh's fulfillment a promise fulfilled covenant and deliverance through yeshua the god man just like noah and the ark we come out the other side, if you will, of deliverance, of freedom, of life. We make a mark and a memorial. We say, look to him. Look to Yeshua. Because when you look, what, do we, what did he say? When you, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Right? That's why all this is, <coughs> all this is one giant timeline package. If you've seen me, all right, so we look back to the cross, the marker memorial that we have an altar. We look to Yeshua, the son, and what did he say? We look back as a memorial to him. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. 
So if you've seen me, keep going. You've seen the altars erected by the saints to Yahweh Elohim, the God of all gods. Remember, remember, remember. Memorialize. Yahweh is all about being remembered. I would propose that the we have an altar imagery is attempting to connect us to the condition that is ours on this side of Yeshua in his sacrificial offering. As we understand the Old Testament significant of altars. So what do we do about it? In Yeshua, our altar, we respond to what was covenantally promised and fulfilled. Now, I believe we're back to where we started with the, with the Old Testament understanding. A reaction, a response, a memorial, a statement to others. And again, we're not doing this to try to gain God's attention. We're not trying to get his attention. Please make sure that that's clear in your heart and your mind and all of your thinking. We're not looking for our own gain. We're not looking for our own gain. It is a response to what he has covenantally promised and is fulfilled in Yeshua Messiah. So what is our altar on this side of the cross? What's our response to our deliverance? Number one, have you been delivered? Have you been delivered? Do you have an altar present within you? A memorial. Hebrews 13, 15 says, Through him, then, let's continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to Yahweh, that is, the fruit of lips praising his name. Is the, are the praises of his name on your lips? Friend, what is his name? Ah, don't even get me started. His name isn't God. Let's con- Why does it say that? I mean, let's just scrutinize the word. Why does it say the fruit of lips praising his name? All the things attributed to his name, Yahweh. Don't neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. This is altar verbiage. We respond. We remember that we have an altar. We set up a memorial. No fancy, ornate structure. We are dust and dirt. We're not trying to build something to impress the Father. The materials, if you will, the spiritual materials that the Father has provided are enough. His ways are sufficient. The dirt of our very lives, without getting into spiritual imagery about things that David and other people penned about our, our, our condition, who we are. With Yeshua within us, Holy Spirit indwelling us, His temple, Yahweh's literal abode, <laughs> we have been made a holy, sacred space. We have an altar that we can look to, friend, Do you have that? Do you have that perspective, a clear vantage point of a marked memorial where you have encountered Messiah, 
<coughs> not some mysterious verbiage where you just nebulous, nebulously ask Jesus into your heart. I'm talking about the Ezekiel reality of your heart of stone was taken out and removed and you were given a supernatural heart of flesh that can now be capable and postured to even hold and possess the laws of Yahweh Elohim written now upon this heart of flesh. <coughs> Excuse me. That's the fullness of the prophecy. We have an altar for that. We have an altar. A promise? All the promises that came through the prophets of, of, of the Emmanuel reality. Of redemption. I remember reading, I think it's called the Book of Eden. And there's also the Book of, of Adam and Eve. Whether you think much about that or you don't think about it at all or you think it's heresy, it's all beside the point. It talks about, with great detail, how Yahweh explains to Adam and Eve that he's going to redeem their fall, their rebellion. He's going to wrap himself in flesh and become like them. And they weep and they weep for page upon page. They say, are you, are you kidding me? Who is this? Who is this creator? <clears throat> that would do such a thing to repair me, to replace our, our rebellion and fall. Friends, Yahweh God is beyond our comprehension in regards to his awesome works on our behalf. He has made a way for you. I pray that you know that. If you do not know that, reach out to us at pathdesignpodcast at gmail.com. Call a friend. Talk to anyone about it. You may be a pastor and realize I've never done this. You may be a 40-year Christian veteran. That's my wife's story. She was a Christian for years, but she wasn't regenerated. I was a youth pastor addicted to pornography and other just incredibly horrible things in my life. Didn't matter. It wasn't a prerequisite to be a godly man to be a youth pastor. We're not talking about that. We're talking about regenerated Christ men in the likeness and image of the Son. Because we have an altar that we can look to and say, This is a marker and a memorial established by Yahweh Elohim through His Son, just like He's always done. And now I walk out <coughs> memorializing His work on my behalf. So, friends, we have an altar. This is just up here. But you know what? Let's start somewhere. Let's start somewhere. I encourage you to sit down, quiet yourself, put your phones down, turn off your television. If you have a television, just burn it. And just quiet yourself. Stop listening to worship music and just be still. And allow the Father. Search me out. Know me. See if there's any wicked way in me, any, anything that's not even true towards your work on my behalf. I believe he wants to reveal himself to, to show us what the significance of, of our remembering him in all his ways, what that will do for his people. So thank you for watching today. This is the Path to Zion podcast. Always find us online 24-7. Man, I don't know. We've got two and a half years now, I believe, of, of audio recordings at pathdesign.com and many other videos here on YouTube. So thank you for watching. Reach out to us if you'd like to. We'd love to talk to you, meet you. Have a great day. Be blessed. Amen.